Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Our Monday Mover, she is the co-founder of Black Voters Matter. She's an activist, singer, award-winning, all the things. I keep seeing her win awards for all of the greatness that she's put out into the universe uh, quietly and now very loudly. I appreciate her. Let me welcome back to the show, Miss Latasha Brown. Hello. Oh, you're muted. Rats. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm go. just I, I should know better than that by now. That's I should right. know better than that by now. But it has been a it is it has been an interesting week, a uh, few weeks, but we are we are uh, loaded up and ready and moving and um and in these streets. Okay, you are in them. Are you t- how tired are you? How t- how tired are you? I mean, this has been nonstop four years, it, two years. Just it has been nonstop for two years. Well, really more than two years. Yeah. I would say like, literally like maybe four years. Um, for real, for real. Like it's been nonstop building. But you know, I think that as challenging and as intense and as hard as it is, it's so necessary. I so love people. I love our people. I love all people, you know, and when do you get tired of fighting for freedom, right? When you look at the faces of people who are being marginalized, when do you get tired of fighting injustice? Hell, I'm more tired of racism than I am of fighting against it. So, I mean, if I have survived, survived the trauma and the tiring nature of dealing with because racism is tiring right it's just it's just it is just tiring it's exhausting right and so because i'm exhausted in dealing with um a racism and uh different forms of oppression you know i am really being able to do this work feels like a breath of fresh air because at at the end of the day at least i'm operating in my agency, I am working with amazing people across the board that are building a new coalition of brown, black, white, um, our Latino brothers and sisters, our Asian brothers and sisters, our black brothers and sisters. Listen, we rising up. So yes. don't believe the hype. It is not the polls that win elections. It's people. I was listening to this amazing um, podcast and it said uh, the gentleman and I'm going to bring him forth uh on the show eventually uh his 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 words but he said you know when you're building a garden expect expect people to come you know whether it's the gophers or the the rabbits they gonna try to mess with your garden when you try to build like if you don't do anything you don't have to worry but if you out there building and planting and sowing and trying to harvest there will be pests and pestilence to try, but whether it's the little things you can't see or the big things that are try to like the rabbits to eat your carrots and stuff. So that's, that's the fight. Great that's that's the such fight. a great analogy. I mean, and, and if you, if you follow that analogy through, like think about it when you are able to see that first fruit, like when you're able to see those blooms, like at the end of the day, you could just step, step back. And so you know, there is a part of me absolutely on the physical human side. Hell yeah, I'm tired, right? <laughs> you know, but on the other side around kind of my spirit and my resolve and knowing what we have to do in this moment, knowing what's required, knowing how I can taste it. We're literally on this moment that we're in this transformative moment in this country. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen because of one election or two elections, it is going to happen around sustained resistance 
and the resilience and those of us that can radically reimagine new systems and are going to do the work to build those systems and fight to tear down those systems that are oppressing people and replace it with systems that are inclusive and just and fair. That's how the job going to get done. And we're going to get it done. You know, it's ebbs and flows. Um, uh, but right now my mind, I am like my, my grandma, you sing the song stayed on Jesus. My mind is stayed on this, this election, <laughs> this midterm elections that are coming up and doing the work. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting after weeks of seeing headlines that were all talking, I know we're going to talk about this, what's happening in Georgia. You know, I got some really, really, I've got some, some news, you know, that has been inspiring me around why I know when when we work, we win, how it does make a difference. Can you share the news? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Come on. Now. You know, for 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 weeks, what we've been hearing uh, is that, you know, uh, black men are not going to vote or black voters are not inspired and they're not coming out. And and in Georgia, they're not inspired. Haven't you been seeing the headlines? Yeah, the headlines I was going to ask you about the polls and. All of this, you know, and it's discouraging because I'm not there, you know. So I was like, we got to get Latasha on and Cliff. Shout out to Cliff Albright. Yes. This is what the polls are saying, right? The truth of the matter is last week um, on early voting started in Georgia on Monday. You know, and and if you went around, you know, there if you went around to the polls, you didn't see the same. There was a steady stream, but you didn't see the same kind of excitement um out in the streets that you saw in previous elections even in 2020 no however what you what the result was is that on monday and all week we broke records in the state of georgia we had a higher voter turnout on early vote not only in 2018 but from 2020 in addition to that the good news this is how organizing works the good news is of those that are coming out 40% of early voters that came out were black voters, were African-American voters. Why is that significant? I mean, that's just significant in itself. But why is that significant? Because we're only 30% of the population. That means we are overperforming. And so don't believe the hype in the headlines that seek to actually discourage us to say what we're not going to do. Listen, we are really clear, right? I, I've, I've been telling this story to a couple of people. It was like, well, you know, well, why is it? Because it doesn't feel the same. No, it doesn't. But the best way for me to explain this, and this just might be, you know, for some folks, this might be a funny way to explain it. But the best way for me to explain it is, you know, when you first get married and you got that, that wedding and every you all excited and you all in love and you see the stars and, you know, and everybody can feel that energy of it. Right. But then when you five years in, you ain't got really got them stars like, like that anymore. You still like it. You love that, that, that person. But you but at this point, for many of us, you know, are we in there? Like there's a certain level right, like, right. OK, it's like we said we good. We right? settled in to the we. We long have settled haul in. of it all. Yes. The, uh, the long haul of it all. And I think in many ways, that's what we see in Georgia. So you don't see the bells and the whistle and the wedding train and all of that, like we've seen in the previous election. But we settled in. We we in this thing, right? We, we in this relationship. We're and grown. So, it's no longer, in fact, it's no longer the butterflies. And in fact, we are committed. We're committed. Yes. And we're determined. Like and so it. what you're seeing, you know, and it's interesting because even... I had to check myself, like literally like talking to folks because I'm seeing, I was seeing so many headlines. I'm like, what am I not, what am I missing? I'm talking to people. They say they're going to vote, but I keep hearing these headlines that are saying, and I know something's not, 
I know something is, is not a lining up, but when you hear something over and over and over and over again, it has a tendency to even make you question. And so even for myself, I was like really questioning, am I, are people just telling me something? Am I just feeling this or is this happening? And so we have the evidence, at least this first week, what we have seen is we've seen a steady flow of voters and we've seen black voters in the state of Georgia overperform. And so I think that is indicative of two things that I'll just, I'll just raise in that. I think that's indicative to two things. One is indicative of what I said earlier. Polls don't win elections. People do. Come on. So who will win an election is who's able to get their people out. And we have to be, we actually have to hold, we actually have to hold the media accountable because oftentimes we're seeing these messages and these messages about black voters to sensationalize the race, right? That in, in fact, like it will get, it's clickbait. It'll get you to click on the story or it becomes sensational and it makes a story, but it does a disservice to the people on the ground. It does a disservice to us because you're putting out information that actually can make people lose hope for folks yes. to not engage, right? right? Instead of literally. But that's the point, isn't it? Latosha, but Latosha, that is the point. That's the what they want to do. That's what that they is what do. they want to do, which is why I'm saying to people, don't just go by the headlines. Talk to the folks or talk to the groups on the ground that are doing the work to at least get a temperature. I Listen, in no way am I going to say what is happening in Georgia is a cakewalk. Listen, y'all, we are in a fight. This is it, like we are like we are in we are in this we're at hand to hand combat right now. So this is a really intense fight. And the second part that I want to I want to uh, I think is indicative of is organizing works that deep organizing works that with all the misinformation that is happening that is targeted in our community even the voter suppression i cannot tell you how many reporters have called me you know and want this statement because there's news articles where republicans are saying see voter suppression um um they've been crying uh wolf because they ain't no voter suppression they coming out in high numbers we're not coming out in high numbers because voter suppression, uh, voter suppression, isn't a fact. We, the, what they fail to, what they fail to understand, and time and time, black folks have had to show them that that we are greater than our oppression, right? That's that right. at the end of the day, we find ways to navigate. If it was literally just based on things being easy to us, hell, we would be alive. So the bottom line is, it has been a challenge, and. The, the problem with it, where it's not something that I'm sitting bragging on uh, uh, in the sense that, oh, this is good news. No, it is hard that we're expending a tremendous amount of human resources, of time, of energy, combating something as simple as allowing people to be able to vote freely and fairly. Just because we're doing that because we have to does not say that it is OK for us to do it or to say that that barrier doesn't exist. We're just jumping higher than the barrier, but we shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to jump higher than anybody else. We shouldn't have to continuously have to do this. One of the things like in the SB202 bill, which was a Senate bill that passed in the state of Georgia, which I call the, the model voter suppression bill that passed right after the 2021 election when we elected these two senators, these new senators from the state of Georgia. You know, one of the things that it did, and people may not know this, it gave a regular citizen in the state of Georgia, Karen, has the right to challenge the voting eligibility of a other of another citizen for no reason, right. just indiscriminately. So I can just say, I don't think, and we've seen that in Gwinnett County. Do you know in this election alone, there's been over 60,000 voters, right? Disproportionately, guess who? Right, 60,000 voters 
who have been challenged, just someone saying, I don't think that they're an eligible voter. I don't think that they're that they've got the right to vote. And then what the process is, is that now the election board, that county election board has to now go through a process to make sure that this voter is eligible. So even if this vote is eligible and they know that, then it's taking away time and resources from the election board where they should be preparing for an election. Now they're dealing with this foolishness. And it also we know some people that there's this wonderful um, uh, uh, documentary film that Greg, Greg Palace has done, right, to show where this man who is a colonel um, literally just for no reason his vote has been was challenged because he he he's this black voter who has this pop, this common name and 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 then the burden on proving could fell on him in this instance. I'm saying this because we don't need to be, also believe the hype around this idea that voter suppression wasn't effective um, as it, as it, no, voter suppression did not operate just as it, 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 it operate, I'm sorry, it operated exactly how it was intended to operate, but what they've done and what racists continuously do, they always underestimate the power of a made up mind and a human spirit and collective organizing. Latasha Brown, um, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. When you talk about deep organizing, most of us don't even have a clue what that looks like, right? I know that you're responsible for millions of people being registered to vote over the last four years, right? Registering to vote. Is it not door knocking, showing up on campuses? Like what, like, and for those people who want to get into the deep organizing, help them understand what's required of them and what it looks like. You know, I can, Karen, I can talk about the mechanics of organizing. Um, and there's a need for that, for people to actually know that there is a skill around being able to organize and to get people um, um, to be engaged. Um, and that's the, the the canvassing and the GOTV work, whether it's doing voter registration, whether that's canvassing, which is door knocking, whether that's peer-to-peer conversations with the text messaging campaign, all of that. We do all of that, right? Um I can also talk about getting people engaged around the issues that they care about. You know, there are some people that care about criminal justice reform. There are some people that care about economic, um, uh, the economic issues. There are people that care about health care. And so it's really important as you're organizing that you are literally listening to people to hear what it is that they care about. So you're making a connection with what it is they care about and how voting and protect um, um, and participating in the process makes a difference. So I also can talk about how it is important for us to really recognize that sometimes you're not going to get everything that you want in voting, right? But sometimes you got to use voting as a harm reduction strategy, right? That they're, that to mm-hmm. prevent harmful policy from impacting your community, right? That will actually do destructive things. And so you have to use it as a harm reduction strategy or even using it as to advance a particular kind of policy need, whether it's getting more resources in your community, all those things. And I'm quite sure people have heard most of those things before. The one thing that I wanna say that I don't think that we talk about a lot, um, the one thing, and in some ways, because it is not, you know, you can't get your arm around it. We're not talking about it. I think the most powerful tool in organizing is believing. And this is what I mean, that yes, we could do all the other stuff, 
But black folks got to believe in our power and our agency to transform that in spite of racist systems, in spite of other barriers, that we have to use every single tool that is available for us to be able to transform our community and this nation to the nation we desire and that we deserve. And so what I have found is the most profound thing that can transform to get people to get involved in elections, to get people to create businesses, to get create the people to be effective is that we've got to believe in something greater than what we see already. We've got to believe in something. We got to believe our children deserve better. When you believe your children deserve better, you will fight like hell to make sure your kids get better. When you believe that you're supposed to be treated a certain kind of way, you're not going to tolerate people treating you a certain kind of way. You're not going to like let white nationalist races take over the government when you believe that your community right has the right has the agency and has the power to do something about it and so i we don't talk about that a lot because that for, for many people that sounds more amorphous but the truth of the matter is that i think one of the most powerful tools that you that we can use to advance ourselves or the most powerful tool to keep us back is based on our belief mm. if we believe we can't change nothing nothing won't get changed if you believe that you don't matter nothing will nothing nothing would matter i will tell you the difference between someone who just talk about it and those that do something about it is that those that do something about it have something that propels them to do something. That is, they believe, they have the audacity, the 600 people on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, that did not have government on their side. Both political parties were, were racist. They had a president that called and told them, do not go down, do not march. Matter of fact, they even had convinced SCLC and Dr. King and them that they were not gonna march, they needed to wait. Those 600 people had the audacity to believe the belief that what they were doing was going to change the course of America. They knew that they were going to be met at the end of that bridge with dogs and billy clubs. They knew that, right? But they had a belief in their own agency, not in the federal government, not in what uh, these systems. They believed that them standing and fighting for what they believe, fighting for their agency, fighting to participate in the process, that it would be transformative. And what we know is those are facts. It was. And so I just hope that people in this moment that are listening to me, if they don't listen to anything else, yes, I'll be glad to teach you the mechanics around voting and GOTV. And there are many organizations to do that. And I can talk about the steps of that. I'll, I'll be glad to really be able to share with you some of the models of what we're doing with our campaign, because we got a campaign right now we call We Won't Black Down. Not, and you heard it right. <laughs> not we won't black down. We won't black down. Right. Come on. But, I think the most critical mo piece for us in this moment, y'all, we got to believe. We got to mm. believe that there is no system that we can't penetrate, change, abolish, replace. That we've got to believe that there is nothing that is acceptable for our community except the best. Yes. And when you believe that, when you're tired, you get up and you work anyway. Come on, Latasha Brown, you know, given she always comes and gives a sermon as you were talking. I was also thinking, you know, the myth of whiteness and what we have always told. We, we tell ourselves these stories. They won't let us, you know, it starts with they won't let us. And I'm like, who's they? <laughs> and, and why are you allowing them to not let you? And what is the thing that you want to do that they aren't letting you do? Like in our lives, we're always looking outside of ourselves for the reason why we aren't doing better. And to your point, you know, we have control. 
I have lived in abundance. I have abundance. I deserve. I am all of that. You are all of that. So why do we allow for anything to stand in the way of the thing that we want to have happen in our lives, including electing people, sending people to Washington or sending people to the state house that will do our, this is the relationship, right? You have to do our, my vote. You do what I tell you to do. That's how this works. Right. But we don't even have an ask. We don't even know what it is that we want. Yeah. I, you know, I think we do, you know, Karen, in fairness, let me say this. Cause I, you know, I think that sometimes we underestimate how traumatic um, living in a racist society is, you know, just because we do it well, you know, just because we survive, just because we navigate it, you know, I, how many of us are going to work every single day in an, an environment that we know is hostile and an environment that we know that our opinions, our contributions are not received like our white counterparts going in an environment that we know we underpaid in an environment that we are training somebody that actually we know that we should have their job, but because of who they are, we, this has been our experience. That does not necessarily mean that we can't overcome that, nor does it mean that that experience doesn't exist. And I'm saying that because part of what we have to recognize is that, that there is, and that's why we have to lift each other up. Sometimes I'm, I'm feeling like, I'm like, Oh, can we do this? And then that's why my, my movement friends or my movement comrades, I surround myself with folks that when I'm weak, they're going to hold my shoulder up. Like, come on, girl, I got you today. Right. And then the next day I hold them. So I think in this moment, if there are two things that I, I can just share, like in this moment, whenever there is fierce opposition, it cre- always creates vast opportunity. Listen to what I'm saying. Whenever there's fierce opposition, it creates a moment, a space for opportunity, vast opportunity in this moment where this democracy that we know full of flaws, that has not been inclusive, that has not been fully representative, that has been racist, that is while it is on the table, come on y'all, let's push forward. Since we are on the table, let's push forward. Let's push to make sure that we have an expanded Supreme Court, a Supreme Court that is actually gonna be reflective of America. Let's push for the either abolishment or the, of, the, of the Senate, or that we literally get the Senate right size. That when you look at the Senate right now, they don't look like us. Matter of fact, they're not the age of the majority of Americans, nor are they the demographics. There's not enough women on there. How it is that women are the majority of this country and we're grossly, grossly under, under, un, underrepresented in every single position. I'm saying this because there is an amazing opportunity in this moment, right? When everything is on the table, right? They have taken, they have, they have taken the hoods out of the closet and let us see them. Mm-hmm. We see in the hoods in plain sight right now. We're seeing the vote, the suppression in plain sight right now. This is the moment that you go hard in the paint. This is the moment that when your team come out on the court, you like, all right, we got a couple of minutes down. Well, come on, let's get it. So this is the moment for us to really recognize that under no circumstances can we allow white supremacy or a party that aligns itself with white nationalists to prosper, not nary an inch. They can't gain any ground, y'all. In addition to that, does that mean that we're going to get everything that we need it from from? the democratic party no it doesn't but we also can't create false equivalences acting like they're the same because they are not the same they're not the same party there's not the same people in this moment what we have to really be able to do is to really organize ourselves build infrastructure in our community and get involved and have an engagement that's not about a political party or candidate but it's really about our us literally standing about power this ain't about participation this is about straight up raw power and when you want power, you go get it. 
We've got to go get it. It is on the table. Voting is one tool. Economic power is one tool. Social power is one tool. We've got many tools, but when we're in a fight like we're in right now, we've got to use every single tool available for us so that we can advance our community. And I do believe that it is, while it is really, really hard, right? I do believe there's a unique opportunity that has been opened up that in the midst of where there's fierce opposition, there's always vast opportunity. Mm. 866-801-8255. Latasha Brown, I've, I've been saving this question for you uh, since I've been seeing all of the, the noise and nonsense. But Atlanta's own Killer Mike, Mike Rinder, uh said some things that it, it feels almost like I, I don't want to accuse him of being paid a paid operative because I'm not sure where he's coming from, but it, it is hurtful. It's as hurtful as Kanye West saying, you know, white men are the most uh, oppressed people in this country. It's like hurtful. It's hurtful and it's discouraging and it's disconcerting. And I don't I don't know how well, you know, Mike, but it feels like it undermines what you're doing. Not only it feels like it, it does. I mean, I've canvassed with that brother before. You know, I think part of what winds up happening and and we just gonna have to be honest with this. We have literally given the pursuit of freedom away for this pursuit of money. And if you think that money of power away from money, and let me say what I mean by that, you know, it's interesting because you, I'll talk to folks and everybody was like, well, you know, you got, got you got money, you got power, do you? Right. At, at the end of the day, you better get some power and some money is, is an access to power. Right. But I'm, 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 I'm raising that because I think it's really important because there are people who have gotten money and and because they've got money, they can't talk. They can't hang with certain folk. They can't say certain things. Right. So the, it becomes a particular kind of space. Why am I bringing this up with Killer Mike? Because I think, you know, part of what let me just say this about the brother, what he did at best was disingenuous. The bottom line is, if you know anything about um, black entrepreneurs in this country right now, let me be clear. The majority of 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 entrepreneurs or people who are starting small businesses in this country right now happen to be black women percentage wise over any other constituency group. But it but but are black women. How you going to have a serious meeting with the governor in Buckhead out of all of the communities in Georgia, right? With 50 black men. Come on, bro. That wasn't even representative of our community. So number one, let's start there. Number two, let's start with for our community biz. When we talking about money, we got to talk about all aspects, right? You can't just, you can't um, pay me a salary. That's like giving somebody a raise, but not making an adjustment for the, for the cost of living. At the end of the day, it is, is, is we don't just need businesses. We need flourishing businesses. We need access to health care. We need make sure that we've got quality education. Let's talk about what, since we want to talk about money and I'm, and, and Killer Mike is saying, you know, he got this attachment of saying that he's been good at business. Well, how's he been good at business when this man literally, I'm going to go and he's been good. He's good. He's talking good at business. Do you know in the state of Georgia where black folks make 30% of the population, we get less than 1% of the state contracts. Now that's Brian Kip got had four years to do that. If he was serious about, we get, I need people to hear me. We receive black, uh, black businesses receive less than 1% 
of, 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 of the business for the state of Georgia are the billions of dollars that we spending in the state. But then we're gonna we gonna have one meeting with him with 50 black men and some whatever they had over there and Buckhead and he gonna smile and we don't hold him accountable on that. In addition to that healthcare, here it is in the state of Georgia. There's been six hospitals that are closed, Karen. We're actually on the verge of a seventh hospital closing in Metro Atlanta, right? That impacts working class people, not just having health care access, but who you think working at those hospitals that shuts down jobs, that impacts businesses. In many of those communities, it's had a devastating impact, economic impact on those communities. But guess why those hospitals have closed? Those hospitals have closed because Brian Kemp refuses to expand ACA or Medicaid or Obamacare because it was attached to Obama. There's over a billion dollars that is sitting there, federal dollars that we can get access to if he expanded. That's bad for business. That's totally bad for the business of black folk. So when we get real tunnel vision about whether it is that maybe he want him to get some more money for his barbershop, I don't know, right? But yeah. when we get real tunnel vision that is really about our individual capacity and not about the collective harm and damage that, that this man has done to our community. And then we, let's not even talk about voting rights and the hundreds of thousands of black voters that he is at, he took off the voting rolls when he was secretary of state. He has continued that policy. Where, if he was a good for black business, where was Brian Kemp when, when they were signing the voter suppression bill, when he was sitting up under a picture of a plantation flanked by eight white men? So the bottom line for us to rubber stamp that, no, there's nothing that Killer Mike can say that would make that behavior be okay. That to say that that is okay. And so it is damaging and it is irresponsible. And we can still love our brother and call our brother to the carpet, right? Because at the end of the day, what we are seeing is that Republicans, and we have seen this often, where the Republicans have no, they don't, they don't even think twice about exploiting black pain and black discontent because they they also don't feel any kind of responsibility to provide any relief or remedy. Don't exploit my pain and you're not providing any remedy. He, in where he's had power to do, he has not done that. And so I raise that because I think it's really dangerous. You know, I'm so tired of them. Every time they want it, they go, they get a rapper and say, uh, or somebody, an athlete, and all of a sudden that's supposed to be, uh, uh, that's supposed to validate who they are. His actions speak for him. Well, you speak for all of us. Uh, and I want to invite you back election day and let's keep going. Go Raphael Warnock, Stacey Abrams, Latasha. Thank you so much. Next voice you'll hear is somebody that inspires all of us. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.